It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. What do you mean by semi-fascism, sir? You know what I mean. And we have to start calling his supporters supporters racist as well. That MAGA uh, hat, that MAGA symbol has come to represent something. It is the new Nazi symbol. It is the new uh, hood. Because it's not a party, right? They're Sinn Féin to the IRA. They're, they're the PLO to Hamas. They're a dime store front for a terrorist movement. So the Republican Party is basically a domestic terrorist cell at this point. And they should be treated as such. There are elements of the GOP that are starting to look like the jihadists. Not a political party. They're a white nationalist movement. They're a fascist threat to our nation. That's not hyperbolic. That's academic. Would have once seemed hyperbolic, but it increasingly does feel like the Republican Party has become a death cult. And it's all about Donald Trump. There is no alternative right now because the Republican Party project today is a fascist authoritarian project. Fact is, Republicans in Congress are still in the grip of the ultra MAGA agenda. Party of dupes, uh, party of knuckleheads, party of weirdos, party of freaks. So that, that, that is a simple, simple message. And on, underneath that, it's the party of nothing. It has become an authoritarian embracing cult. Uh, it is fascist. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress of the United States. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Hey, good morning. What a great thing to start with, right? Doesn't that cheer you up to hear all those accusations uh, toward most of you who listen? who are, you know, these deplorables. That was bad enough. That's what Hillary pinned on us. And now we are Nazis. Uh, what else We're, What else did they say we are? We are um, semi-fascists. We are white supremacists. We are, well, you fill in the blank. And, you know, you might listen to that and you say to yourself, well, that's just words and it doesn't really matter. Everybody knows that's silly. But what actually is happening here, this is what totalitarians have done for generations. And in order to um, get to the point where you actually kill your enemies, uh, well, I'll give you an example. Like in Germany, at first the Jews were just, you know, they wore, wore the gold stars, and gradually the propaganda became such that they became pigs. They were pigs. They were worthless. They were, they were dehumanized. And that made it possible for then people to murder them in, you know, Concentration camps, the dehumanization is universal to totalitarian regimes who want to eliminate certain populations. I, I don't think it's a quantum leap, is it, for you to think that the people who, this was just what goes through my head, the people that were wearing masks and were shouting and crabby and barking like inhumanly at you about a mask or about what you were or weren't doing are not far from wishing you dead, let's just say it that way. 
I don't think it's really that hard to make that leap, and certainly it is part of human nature, and that is what they're doing. Uh, They are attempting to label people who support Donald Trump who want to, what, MAGA, make America great again. That's a horrible thing to say, of course, according to them, but of course they're going to make it horrible by repeating it. If you repeat a lie, often enough says, uh, well, I think it was not Stalin, maybe Lenin, who said that if you repeat repeat a lie, often enough people believe it. And so they just keep repeating it because they're trying to form a label. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Clinton started it earlier with deplorables, and that was like kind of funny. We made jokes about it, but now it's getting more serious. We are fascists. And we look back in time and we see that uh, Stalin— uh, actually, in history, there, I had a long article I printed out on it. Every article I have now is like when I used to be writing. Uh, there was a word limit, and they they would make you you know apply you know keep reducing your article until it was like two pages. Three would be huge, uh, but now all these articles are uh, eight, ten pages, all of them that I try to print out. This was a piece that I would love to have read, but I'll tell you what it said. Uh, the parts that I did read is that Stalin. Uh, the uh, architect, really, of Russian-Soviet communism. Uh, Lenin, of course, was the originator of uh, communism. But uh, Russia was the first country to really implement it full bore, and Stalin was the force behind that. Stalin was a brutal dictator who murdered millions of his own people. He actually ended up murdering his each of every one of his family members, including his wife. He murdered his friends. Uh, he, by the way, studied in a seminary to be uh, a priest of some sort, maybe the Russian Orthodox Church, I'm not sure. Uh, it's always, there's always that link. It's like, um, it's really strange how, no, Satan's pretty boring, actually. He'll pull people out who are kind of in the midst of all of that world, uh, I think, um, and then pull them out and use them to be the most effective tool to do the most most evil. And that's what Stalin did. So Stalin fleshed out communism in Russia, uh, and then for, and then after World War II, uh, the Soviet Union, as they began to go and invade and take over countries so handily. Uh, so he started the practice of calling anyone who opposed him a fascist. So Stalin called everyone that opposed him what he actually was. And to make that really clear, the Democrats are claiming that MAGA Republicans are fascists, while... At the same time, they're trying to arrest their political opponents. Well, they're not trying to. They are arresting their political opponents. That's fascism. But we are the fascists. And so, and that when Nancy Pelosi was in that little clip, the very last voice there, she talked about how uh, people, our enemies, uh, we're supposed to defend our country from enemies, foreign and domestic. The enemies are right there, right there in the Capitol, right there. They're Republicans, enemies. And the, always remember, this is really true. So it's not just a comment that's kind of a silly in passing observation. This is true. If you are listening to someone on the hard left speak, accusing someone of doing something, usually their opponents, it's exactly what they are doing. They will tell you what they're up to by their accusations. They always do that. You can take that to the bank. Uh, And so... Uh, there's a really interesting article that, again, I didn't make it, oh, I wanted to make it through, but this, I'm going to try to read a little bit of it to you, actually. It's called The Psychology of Totalitarianism. And it was uh, Dr. Robert Malone of uh, COVID fame, the guy that was the inventor of the mRNA vaccines, 
who came out so strongly against the COVID vaccine uh, has a, uh, what do they call it, a substack. This is not written by him. This is written by, um, I, you know what, his name is not here. It's a European, oh, here it is, Dr. Matthias Desmet. Matthias Desmet. And his qualifications, let me see if I can give them to you, because he bring, he says, I am a lecturing professor at Ghent University, Belgium. My PhD on the dramatically poor quality of academic research, which taught me that we can never take science for granted. My master's degree is in statistics, which allowed me to see through statistical deception and illusions. My knowledge of mass psychology, my philosophical explorations of the limits of destructive psychological effects of the mechanist rationalistic view on man and the world, and last but not least, my investigations into the effects of speech on the human being and the quintessential importance of truth speech in particular. Those are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you probably missed some of that, but what I need to explain to you is the totalitarianism, communism, uh, what we're experiencing here is deeply psychological. It's a manipulation of the mind. Uh, when Barack Obama was running for president, as I recall, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but let's just say he had at least uh, 150 psychologists on his election team, um, because that's what propaganda is all about. It's about fooling. It's about twisting. It's about persuading. And so it's a, uh, that's why this Dr. Desmond has written The Psychology of Totalitarianism. I will read just a little bit of it to you if I can. He's ta- tracing the COVID virus. And uh, he talks about um, the facts we thought first came from China, and we saw people falling, we saw people, you know, dying, and we we were all alarmed. Uh, but then he talks about how things changed, and from then on, story and facts seemed to merge, and uncertainty gave way to certainty. The unimaginable became reality. We witnessed the abrupt pivot of nearly every country on earth to follow China's example and place huge populations of people under de facto house arrest, a situation for which the term lockdown was coined. An eerie silence descended, ominous and liberating at the same time. The sky without airplanes, traffic arteries without vehicles, dust settling on the standstill of billions of people's individual pursuits and desires. In India, the air became so pure that for the first time in 30 years, in some places, the Himalayas became once more visible against the horizon. And then he goes into uh, George Orwell's uh, 1984, which is a book I highly recommend, as dreadful as it is, it's short. It would help you to understand psychologically what's going on and how the left is messing with us. Uh, You have to be really, like, really wise as serpents. Remember that admonition in Scripture? Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. They are messing with our minds, even as the election approaches. I think they're messing with our minds. They're telling us that... In spite of everything that we see, uh, the horrible policies coming out of the Biden administration, uh, the senile, mean man that the president has become, his uh, his you know, approval ratings uh, plummeting, uh, in spite of um, the debt being at thirty trillion dollars, and people you know beginning to worry about what's next. Uh, polls showing that they are worried about the circumstances of their country. They're telling us that the, um, there is a there's a there's a blue wave blue wave now. The Democrats are catching up with the Republicans and the Republicans are going to lose. Now, that might be true, but I have to tell you that uh, that's the way propaganda works. It's to discourage you. It's to kick you in the stomach and make you stop fighting and give up and say, what's the use? So just remember that uh, this is part of the psychological 
uh, warfare that the left plays, that they're very good at and we're just completely innocent because we're honest people who tell the truth, speak the truth. Uh, but I have to say, as a counter to this, could I also add, we have an incredible God who is the author of all truth, whose power transcends all of their schemes. And that's why I can still sleep at night. Nevertheless, this is what we face, this propaganda war. So back to this article by Dr. Matthias. He said, we saw a remarkable transfer of power. He's talking about through COVID. Expert virologists were called upon as Orwell's pigs, the smartest animals on the farm, to replace the unreliable politicians. It went so far that at one point they counted all deaths as corona deaths, including people who had died of, say, heart attacks. And scientists did not live up to their promises. These experts pledged that the gates of freedom would reopen after two doses of the vaccine, but then they contrived the need for a third. Like Orwell's pigs, they changed the rules overnight. First, the animals had to comply with the measures because the number of sick people could not exceed the capacity of the healthcare system. That was called flatten the curve. But one day, everyone woke up to discover writing on the wall stating that the measures were being extended because the virus had to be eradicated, and that was called crush the curve. Eventually, the rules changed so often that only the pigs seemed to know them, and even the pigs weren't so sure. So people began to nurture suspicions. How is it possible that these experts make mistakes that even laymen wouldn't make? Aren't they scientists, the kind of people that took us to the moon, gave us the Internet? They can't be that stupid, can they? What is their end game? Their recommendations take us further down the road in the same direction. With each new step, we lose more of our freedoms until we reach a final destination where human beings are reduced to QR codes in a large technocratic medical experiment. And that's how most people eventually became certain, very certain, but of diametrically opposed viewpoints. Um, And then it goes on. He said, I was in a good position to warn for the psychological risks of corona narrative. Uh, The fear, I wrote, of the virus is more dangerous than the virus itself. And as much as I tried to bring this to the attention of society, it didn't have much effect. People continue to go along with the narrative. I'm going to skip to the end because they give a famous quote. This is such a good essay, but it's probably about 10 pages long. At the end, this is a quote by Gustave Le Bon. The masses have never thirsted after truth. They turn aside from evidence that is not to their taste, preferring to deify error, if error seduce them. Whoever can supply them with illusions is easily their master. Whoever attempts to destroy their illusions is always their victim. Thus we are, the, the, uh, the neo-fascists. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges, and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills and to one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-788-1813. Can you repeat that? 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Michael Zhu, acting comptroller of the currency. His office regulates and supervises all national banks and thrift institutions in the United States. Matthew 5.42 reminds us of the importance of both charity and lending. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Zhu as he helps regulate our nation's financial institutions. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach... I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Retailers are packing up and leaving San Francisco faster than you can say rice-a-roni. 17 Walgreens now closed, nearly every Gap store is gone, and CVS is not far behind. The reason is shoplifting. It's become an epidemic in San Francisco, in large part because of a change in the law. Nonviolent thefts are now considered to be misdemeanors if the stolen goods are worth less than $950. When that happened, well, it became open season on local stores. The most recent, a Walgreens, when a guy rode into the store on a bicycle and stole nearly everything on the shelves. City leaders say they are perplexed. They don't know how to fix the problem. Spoken like true liberals, here's what needs to happen. Change the law. Unleash the police. Impose jail time. Hard jail time for shoplifters. Otherwise, folks in San Francisco are going to have to drive to Sacramento to get their prescriptions refilled. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So it's a two-day conference uh, today, and really this was about um, preparing the French business community and entrepreneurs for a, a pretty dark winter. And the language that was used was really a, almost wartime language, really, Nadia. It was quite grim at times, and uh, it was also a, a, a speech really about economic patriotism, calling upon uh, business owners uh, to be ready for the, the, the cost and the impact of war and uh, for gas shortages, uh, the, the fact that businesses could shut down in this context. Uh, she spoke about about a sobriety plan and uh, about the, the need, hopefully, uh, to avoid, or the, the hope, hoping to avoid the need for rationing uh, by careful organization uh, on, the, on the part of businesses uh, to, to ensure that there would be energy savings and uh, that, on, uh, that basically uh, uh, that we would rather have chosen energy savings over unchosen energy uh, cuts. So that was sort of one of the main messages that was delivered uh, during her speech. Um, also, I think the second 
major message that she tried to uh, give those assembled here today was that this is a time of crisis, but a, that a crisis can also represent an opportunity. In particular, uh, she was talking about uh, the ener energetic transition or the ecological transition, how that this could represent an opportunity to accelerate um, what is already a stated goal uh, in France and in Europe more broadly uh, towards a, a greener economy and towards a, a, a lower carbon footprint, the stated goal of 55% lower greenhouse gases by 2030. So that while this is a moment of crisis where the gas taps have been shut off, it's also an opportunity to accelerate a, a change towards an economy that is completely on reliance on, on gas. So there you go. It was really a, 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 almost, well, not a, almost, it was a wartime speech uh, rallying the French business community around uh, the notion of economic patriotism. Oh, wow. Sandy Rios back with you. This is uh, this is the untold story. I have not spoken of it because I'm not an expert in it, uh, but I know, you know, I know a bit about it. No one's talking about it. Tucker Carlson did a great piece on it last night. And as a matter of fact, Adam, let's put that link on our Facebook, on our Getter page because it's worth the listen. But I just want to say to you uh, that th remember that they, the uh, environmentalists, uh, the leftists who seek to control us, uh, they did that through the COVID narrative. Uh, remember, you may or may not remember that even those videos, I learned this really only like two months ago. The videos that they showed us from China where people were collapsing, dying, we thought, frothing, dying from COVID, were propaganda. Uh, that doesn't mean people weren't dying of COVID, but those videos were propaganda. I do remember this. Uh, that in Italy, there was a scene in a hospital where people were, you know, really suffering. And I remember very well that one of the networks uh, kept playing that clip over and over again as proof that it was just a terrible outbreak in Europe when it really, and actually claiming that that particular scene that we saw over and over again in the Italian hospital was in a different country. And so they were busy, like, messing with our minds through that. Now, they are messing with our minds uh, through the notion of, uh, you know, climate change, that we can control the climate. If we don't, the the world, the earth is going to, you know, implode. It's going to destroy itself. You know, years ago when I traveled a lot, um, even in a remote hotel in Thailand with geckos crawling on my walls, uh, I remember turning on, they had a television, CNN was everywhere. CNN was everywhere. And it wasn't CNN like you see it. It was CNN International. CNN International. And what they talked about from pillar to post were disasters. Crop failures, um, you know, the, the terrible use of um, uh, what sprays and uh, pesticides on plants, um, constantly painting this notion that the, the world is imploding and that there's this horrible force that people, you know, like in, um, the inference was, of course, that free people and business and business entrepreneurialism was causing, you know, a global disaster in nature. And it wasn't just a passing thing. It wasn't just a news report. It was the theme. I saw it everywhere I went. And so this is what I see now that has just kind of overtaken the news media. It used to be kind of a, you know, just CNN international, uh, but now it's everywhere. And so we're, we're supposed to believe that if we don't fertilize our crops uh, and if we uh, don't, you know, keep our houses warm or cool, as the case may be, or our businesses, uh, that we are destroying our planet. If we drive uh, cars and use 
of fossil fuels. We are destroying the planet. And these narratives have taken a foothold. Your kids, many of your kids are probably, they've been indoctrinated with this, just like they've been indoctrinated with the LGBT nonsense. More mind games. More mind games means more changing of what really is real. And so we're living in a world that's uh, all, it's fantasy. It's like uh, it's like Disneyland, the dark side. Uh, you know, well, which we're actually kind of seeing in Disneyland now, but Disney, it's like, a, metaphorically, it's like Disneyland, like a fantasy land, but it's a horrible, it's a horror land. It's not fantasy. It's not fun at all. Remember that they've already destroyed the uh, the, the economy of Sri Lanka uh, by doing a lot of the, taking these moves. And you've seen the, the farmers of Holland, which I've hardly spoken about, uh, rolling down the streets in their tractors and their trailers because... Uh, the government doesn't want them to use pesticides and sprays to save their cops and crops. And in the United States, in the heartland, my home state of Illinois, where there's so much farming, uh, farmers are groaning under the weight of the costs of fertilizers because uh, these leftists have gained power. They have a foothold in this world, and they are hell-bent on destroying it. And trust me, uh, the president of France, or whoever she was, uh, France 24 reported, I'm not sure what her position was, is not going to suffer. And neither, neither is Emmanuel Macron, and neither is Hillary Clinton, and neither is Joe Biden. They're not going to suffer. Trust me, Joe, um, Barack Obama has bought acres and acres of um, oceanfront property in Martha's Vineyard. Remember when he, <clears throat> excuse me, I wish I had the clip. He told us that the oceans were going to rise. There was going to be destruction. <laughs> and he bought all this acreage on the waterfront of the ocean. So he doesn't really believe it, you see. And he will be okay also. Now let me make my point further. This is happening, you know, the European countries who have been our, they're, they're the, the roots of the United States. They had been until things are changing at the southern border. Uh, but they don't have much fuel, fossil fuel. and They're little tiny countries compared to ours. And so they've had to depend on Russians. They've had to depend on um, the United States for a while because we did have, we were the biggest oil producer. We were in energy independent under President Trump. You may, may recall that, really. It, you might remember. Energy independent is amazing. But uh, under Joe Biden, now we can't, you know, we have to beg uh, dictators in Venezuela uh, we have to beg China. We have to beg Russia for fossil fuel because, you know, we can't possibly make our own because the environmentalists don't want drilling. They don't want, because fossil fuels are, you know, wicked, horrible. But now what's going to happen is people are going to freeze in Europe. They're going to freeze in uh, the northeastern part of the United States eventually, too, when they cannot power. Uh, and down in the southern states, like in Florida and Texas, they're going to burn up in the winter, in the summertime. Uh, because um, there will be no fossil fuels. We cannot function without fossil fuels, but the environmentalists are without fertilizer for our plants. So the, the farmers of Holland have risen up. It's the same story but different. Uh, but now in Germany, uh, there's a phenomenon. I just heard this last night on Tucker's show. We pulled this out. This is a report on what's happening with Germany in regard to you know getting ready for this winter. I thought this was amazing. This happened right outside of Berlin where I used to live, this big, beautiful city. This is the story, clip seven. Some in Germany are taking matters into their own hands with solutions that might look like a blast from the past. About two hours outside Berlin, residents of this small town have turned to wood chips for fuel. We have to be innovative, said the project's organizer. If we don't act and just rely on the government to solve the crisis, we'll never succeed. 
This burner will soon fuel most of this village of 60 people. Yeah, so it shows them uh, the whole picture. They're, they're out there. They're, you know, c cutting away on this firewood, gathering it up, uh, because they know that uh, Germany's cold. Did I tell you? It's very cold in the winter. I would know this. I would know this. And um, but the the rulers don't care. They're just out of their minds. They're out of their minds, crazy. They have become insane with their power. And don't think for a minute that they intend to suffer the way you're going to, because you're just the people. You know, you're just the, like your pawns in this game. And actually, it would be good because if you you know should die, it would be less of a burden, uh, because they were always in favor of population. Uh, you know, depopulating. Uh, they lo they love abortion. They love eugenics. Uh, they love your death. They're not so crazy about their own. They're scared. They you know they they cling to theirs with both fists. I'll give an example. This is kind of a random uh, throw-in, but um, this comes from yesterday's clip sheet, you guys. It's number three. Let me set it up. Um, this was a Jared Kushner, and a Jared was being interviewed um, by Rick Grinnell on a podcast, and they weren't talking about this, but this was kind of a throwaway line. The reason I want you to hear it is because. Uh, Jared, of course, uh, Jared and Ivanka are not conservatives. They never were. They should never have been in the White House. Uh, they were Democrats, but they're not just Democrats. They're like really, really on the left. And as we're learning more and more about it, Jared was um, one of the, what's his name? Peter Navarro in an essay uh, about um, Jared Kirshner said that he, is, he did more harm to, to President Trump's policies than anyone in the White House. He would uh, run interference. He would stop things. Uh, so um, no friend to us, Jared Kushner. He's got a new book out. That's what they were talking about. So he was doing an interview on his new book. And just listen to what he inserts. This is a random, like, off-the-cuff statement, but it's pretty bizarre. This is Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of President Trump, clip three. And then finally, I think that from, uh, you know, the last year, the one thing I've tried to put a priority on since I left the White House was, you know, getting some exercise in. I think that there's a, a good probability that my generation is hopefully with the advances in science, either, you know, the, the, the first generation to live forever or the last generation that's going to die. And so uh, we need to keep ourselves in, in pretty good shape. Um, hey, did you catch that? My generation, I'm keeping myself in shape. I've been working out, I'm eating, right, because... My generation is probably going to be the first that will not die, or it might it might be the last to die. But we, we so we better keep our bodies in shape because we probably aren't going to die, or we're going to be the last generation that does die. So we're working on that. That sounds like a Bill Gates uh, buddy to me. That's what these guys think. They they really have lost their minds. You know, I want to say that the fear. There's a real simple verse in the Bible that says the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the respect. For God, the creator, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. And the further we get away from the knowledge of our creator, the more stupid we become. We become illogical and silly and foolish, and that's what we're seeing worrying about us. We're seeing W-H-I-R-R-I-N-G, worrying about us. It's, um, it's, a, it's this madness because it is um, not... It's outside of the boundaries of the created template that God gave us. Uh, everything they do is the opposite of that, whether it's uh, on gender, trying to destroy the differences between the sexes, trying to disrupt families. Um, this is from the pit of hell. It's from Satan himself. It's a very effective tool. Uh, I don't think 
you know, they might, they will, they may prolong life a lot. We don't know how far they're going to go because I think of the Tower of Babel when man was had a lot of hubris then too and thought that they could build a tower that would reach all the way to God. And evidently God thought it was uh, enough of a serious thing to consider that he broke up the gang. Uh, he confused them by sending down languages uh, that they, you know, he could, the creation of multiple languages so that no one could understand the other person. You can't build if you can't, like, share information and talk about measurements and height and materials and all of that. They can no longer communicate with each other, and that's why it's called babbling, Babel, the Tower of Babel, and that's what God did. Now, I don't know if he'd do that again if we tried to extend life forever. I doubt we'll have much success with doing that because I think God already has a plan to make us live life forever in a different form. It's all laid out, and he will not be. Mankind, the hubris, you know, it's the, it's the, the Russian the, the, the monument to the, to the uh, human achievement that I think, oh, maybe I didn't talk about that recently. I was thinking about it. When I was in a park in Moscow across from the hotel, I was walking around, and the, the Soviets always loved to have uh, monuments. They, you know, man was the uh, ultimate god, I guess you could say. Well, communism was the ultimate god, but their their idea was that to perfect mankind so much that man would transcend, transcend and achieve and accomplish and perfect itself uh, and, and eventually become, you know, like perfect. And so there was this, in this... Um, Park, keep in mind that Soviet style totalitarian regimes like North Korea, China, uh, Russia, uh, Cuba, they militarize everything. The fashions. I remember when I went to North Korea, I remember the women there, their hair was, the fashion was stuck in the in the 50s, that's when the last time they had ever been free. And they wore military uniforms. Everyone was in military gear, same way in China. Uh, they they take away national customs identity and make everyone alike and they love military music that's what you hear so in this park in russia across from moscow across from the hotel they're piping in military music i'm listening to military music and at the apex of the park is this huge monument looked like an oscar with a man with broad shoulders with his thing his uh, arms crossed uh and it was called the monument to human achievement and what i noticed though was the monument was listing like 30 degrees to the left and was covered with vines and overgrown, uh, and the music was piped in, and the plants were not tended to. The monument to human achievement was such a metaphor to the foolishness that those leaders of the Soviet regime believed so fervently and destroyed and killed people over. Uh, it is twisted, it is untethered from reality. And trust me, God is in control. He sees all of it. He's going to fix it at some point. I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but it's going to be good. Sandy Rios in the morning. It's the last place I thought my kids would be exposed to sexual orientation. Disney decided to be politically correct with Lightyear rather than make a family movie about a beloved character. They should stick to entertaining instead of pushing this agenda. It's no accident. Young children are exposed to this issue and others much too early. You can urge Disney to stick to family entertainment when you sign the petition regarding Lightyear at OneMillionMoms.com. That's OneMillionMoms.com. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. 
Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 AD, while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45 Bible. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. In recent months, the Iranian regime has redoubled its threatening behavior. For example, it has plotted to kill former U.S. officials in our country. It has enriched uranium effectively to bomb grade and finally acknowledged that it has the option to deploy nuclear weapons. And Iran's proxy militiamen in Iraq have just flexed their muscles by attacking government buildings and even the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad's supposedly secure green zone. While their leader, Muqtada al-Sadr, has ordered them to withdraw, the point has been made. They can take over there at any time. Incredibly, Team Biden's response to such abiding and growing threats is to press on with the completion of a new deal that has no prospect of blocking the mullah's nuclear ambitions. Instead, it will simply help underwrite, legitimate, and otherwise enable them. That's simply insane and must be abandoned. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. 
It has been the formal policy of our country since President Monroe. All right. Well, that was okay. That was President Trump at the U.N. And what you don't uh, wouldn't have context with be widely speaking about that. The German delegation is sitting there listening. And what he's saying is, you know, Europe and and Germany will be become dependent on Russian oil if you don't stop what you're doing. And as he's speaking, the Russia, the German delegation is snickering. They're out, their body language, they're just completely mocking and laughing at President Trump because, of course, they know better. They know better. That could never happen. No, no, no. And, of course, that's exactly what's happened. Uh, they are dependent on Russian oil. Russia is at war with Ukraine, and now they feel uh, ob- obliged for whatever reason uh, to come all in for Ukraine. Well, I understand it in part, and it takes more explanation than I want to spend right now. Except remember, it's not all black and white. It isn't. Uh, the Ukrainian situation is a cash cow for the Biden family. It has been for a long time. Uh, they pass a lot of their, it's like um, a laundering, a money laundering situation. So we keep, you know, spending more money, sending more money from Congress to Ukraine. And it goes who knows where. Who knows where. Tons of it in the past has gone to the Biden family. And I'm assuming it's still happening. And somehow they whip everyone up to, into a frenzy to say that, you know, it's a clear, a clear judgment that Russia should be punished. But Russia, of course, uh, you know, Putin for all of his, you know, wickedness, and he is wicked in his own way. There's like, sometimes people are not all good or all bad. They're like portions of each, in case you hadn't noticed. And that certainly happens to world leaders. Uh, Vladimir Putin has not played well on the international stage. He has not played well on these the notion of uh, transgender rights, LGBT rights. He has not played well on uh, the, the whole notion of climate change. He's been a huge uh, obstacle for them. So nevertheless, okay, so the Germans now um, are, you know, all about saving Ukraine. The European countries are sending money there, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, now they have nowhere to get their fuel because Russia has been their supplier. And so that's what President Trump was warning them. You better do it differently. You better get your supply of energy from some other source uh, because you're going to find yourself in a... And yet they're laughing at him because they laugh at him because they are post-Christian and they've lost their minds. Like I said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's so funny because they are so arrogant. They think they are so smart, but they've been descending into uh, idiocy for a long time, for decades even. And now it's just getting worse. But uh, so there you go. That's a, and I wish there are other things I'd like to talk to you about. But I want to change the subject for a second because for those of you in Texas, I bet you followed this story. It just happened. Uh, I just found out about it uh, yesterday. So not sure when it happened. I think over the weekend. It was um, in Roanoke, Texas. It's uh, the Barrel Babes Brunch. It was on uh, the Saturday, and it was it's a drag queen outlet. They have a Sunday special brunch menu uh, with a side of dancing, music, and laughs. Okay, so on that particular day, on Saturday, they had a kid-friendly drag brunch for all ages. And guess who came to protect them? It was a group called Antifa, and they carried AR-15s. One person observing what happened said that they counted 20 of them, 20 AR-15s, uh, and then some of the members were standing up on rooftops. And what were they afraid about? They were afraid of a woman named Kelly Neidert, who has organized a group called Protect Texas Kids. 
And let me show you how Andy No reports that Antifa speaks about Kelly. Kelly Nidart, this is from Antifa in Texas, is a self-described Christian fascist and one of the most dangerous fascists organizers in Dallas-Fort Worth. She's worked with Andy No, Alex Stein, and a host of other wannabe fashy, flashy influencers. She's organized flash events around Texas with Proud Boys, armed militia, and even armored vehicles. These events, attacks on students and family pride events, have several times caused violence by her people against students, families, and staff. Kelly and her terror crew have also been run off and are forced to cancel events in disgrace several times. It is important that our communities show up to defend themselves and each other. Kelly and her kind can be stopped. They will not be allowed to wage their terror campaigns against marginalized marginalized people in our state. So a lot of people have already reached out, come to Roanoke tomorrow to support. So they did. They brought 20 uh, uh, rifles. They stood up on the, the buildings and named their rifles down. Uh, and so, but let me tell you more about the event. It was called Barrel Babes Drag Brunch. It was advertised as dancing music and laughs. Uh, and they said it was a kid-friendly friendly event. It featured vulgarity, sexualization of minors, and partial nudity. Protesters outside the event were spit on and confronted by activists who support kid-friendly friendly drag brunches. Um, all right, so, and, and the name of the the um, the Antifa group in Texas that was there, this is really ironic, isn't it? It's, they call themselves the John Brown Gun Club. It's um, the John Brown Gun Club. John Brown, of course, was the one who fought slavery, so they're, they're going to all go, go, just figure out the twist. You're better at it than I am, just figure out, it's quite a bit of a twist. It's headed by Christopher Gillett and Garrett Lee, or Gillott and Garrett Lee. Um, you know what? I misspoke. It was nine AR-15s, not 20. Nine AR-15s. Chris Cruz of Blaze TV reported that Antifa militants armed with AR-15s acted as bodyguards and escorted attendees to their vehicles. So, uh, yeah, they stood on the third floor of the parking garage with their AR-15s. And I'm sorry, this is a long article, so I'm, I'm flipping around to things that I've marked to share with you. Sarah Gonzalez wrote that the staff admitted that they were violating fire code and overcapacity. They also gave minors a wristband that said, Drinking Age Verified. Um, all right, so you know that Antifa was there to do harm. They, were, they say they were there to protect what they weren't. I guess it was a pretty dreadful. Sarah goes on to, uh, I think Sarah's from The Blaze. She said, uh, texted or tweeted, a woman attending the family-friendly drag brunch in Roanoke, Texas, argues with protesters and exposes her breasts with her child in the car. Then the same mother is seen outside the venue with her son hanging all over him and trying to kiss him while he pulls away. Sickening. And so thanks to Andy No, we have that information. Thanks to The Blaze. For those of you down in Texas, just wanted you to be aware of it. And I want to give you a contrast of what's happened in Florida with Governor DeSantis for the same actions. There was a Miami drag club. Um, last month, the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation alleged in its complaint against Republican House that nearly, a nearly nude dancer was filmed parading a young girl through the audience on or about July, July 3rd, and that video ignited public outrage. I, I told you about this. I remember that video. But when DeSantis was asked about that in a news conference, he said the video prompted the department to investigate further, and what they found was not only were there minors there, 
and these are sexually explicit drag shows, the bar had a children's menu. And so um, this, you know, Governor Abbott, take your cue from Governor DeSantis. There's nothing wrong with doing the same thing but different. Uh, that can't that can't be allowed to go, and I'm sure those of you in Texas are, are very upset about that. I would be, and I'm sure you are. You know, I saw something yesterday. I can't. This is an aside. It's a little different. Uh, that really upset me. It just sent me over the edge. Oh, it was a video, and it's not new. I'm sure it's not new, but somebody reposted it on Twitter. <clears throat> it was of a a preschool, and there was a little boy. He was probably two, probably just barely two. And he's sitting, you know, playing with blocks or toys. And the teacher, quote-unquote, he pulls his mask off, and she puts it back on. And he pulls it off, and she puts it back on. And it goes on for at least a minute, maybe a minute and a half, where the baby just gets so upset. And she's putting the mask on like, and it'll cover his eyes, his nose, because she's not being careful. And meanwhile, she's giving these very soothing, like, oh, now, now, Johnny, Johnny, oh, good boy, put your mask on, sounding like a, a legitimate, loving preschool teacher. At the same time, this child is getting hysterical, scared to death, and like grabbing at the mask. No, no, you know, not being a naughty child, but having the natural human response that he can't breathe or something's over his face. And she's continuing this, and it was so upsetting, so upsetting. This is the kind of thing that this propaganda, delusion, illusion, this thing that came over us about COVID caused this kind of horrific behavior to be accepted and signed off on. And I understand now that even um, Head Start is still forcing two-year-olds to wear masks. How can this be? How can this be? I've read about the psychological effect on children from wearing these masks. There are long articles now, huge studies, and it's terrible what it's done to our kids, and I think it's terrible what it's done to adults too, Uh, but it's all under the same bag of propaganda and lies. Our minds are being twisted, and so it's going to take a very strong mind to stand against this. We are called to have sound minds and good judgment, and only God can give that. You know, I I always say for my husband that when he became a Christian in his 50s, he said it changed the way I think about everything. Uh, It orders your mind. The the gentleman in in Thailand that I visited with in a refugee camp, formerly a Buddhist refugee camp, where Buddhists were coming to Christianity, to Christ, and the place was being cleaned up, and it was bringing order. And when I looked at the man, I'm sitting on a bamboo mat, and I looked into his eyes, I said, what difference, well, what difference has it made in your life? You know, I didn't, I wasn't debating him, I just wanted to know, what is the difference now that you're a Christian? He said to me, looked me right in the eyes through the interpreter, and he said, it changed the way I think about everything. Same thing my husband said later, when I, before I knew my husband. Uh, it changes your mind. It God orders our minds. I mean, sometimes, you know, whether it's depression or worry about things, uh, that's where our minds are getting out of order. I always think, you know, I think of that scripture where David pled, you know, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit. Um, 
fix me, Lord. There's an old Negro spiritual I used to love to sing, oh, fix me, Lord, fix me, fix me, Jesus, fix me. We need to ask for ordered minds. Let him take over our, not our, this is what I encourage every morning. I try. I want you to be, I want, not that my want. God wants us to be thinkers, not silly Christians, unmindful, unaware, stupid, not applying ourselves to knowledge. He wants our minds to be ordered and disciplined and strong so that we can equip ourselves to be his instruments in the fight that we face. And so that's a challenge I give to each of you. I had some updates on, uh, I'll do this as quickly as I can and meaningfully, I want, I hope. Uh, Two more sentences have been passed out on January 6th. Uh, Detainees makes me actually sick at my stomach, another upsetting thing. Um, Five years for pleading guilty to obstruction for... Um, a man from, his name Joshua Pruitt, he's 40 years old, he's formerly of Washington, D.C. He was given 55 months. Um, he said, they say he advanced up the stairs toward the Capitol building. He leapt over a railing before entering the Capitol through the Senate wing door. He threw a wooden sign, and he was one of the first rioters to enter the crypt. It said that he moved uh, toward the Capitol Visitor Center, and there he picked up a chair and tossed it. He then continued in the direction of the Senate subway. Meanwhile, Senate Minority Leader Charles Schumer, in his security detail, uh, walked up the ramp toward the elevators in the northern part of the visitor center, and a member of the security detail saw Prude approaching, and as a result, Senator Schumer, in his detail, reversed course, running away from the elevator. So Pruitt now, because he encountered uh, Schumer, and that was evidently dangerous, he has 55 months in prison. Meanwhile, his attorney tried to tell him, oh, he was deceived by Donald Trump. Uh, he was told that there was, you know, election fraud, so he fell under the spell of Donald Trump, and he, he recants that. Meanwhile, another guy, Thomas Webster, has been given 17 years. He's a former New York Police Department uh, officer, um, and his they say that he attacked a policeman. Of course, he has this defense. The same thing is that their attorney, his attorney is saying that he was deceived by Donald Trump and he recants. He's deeply ashamed. This is what they're doing to these men. 17 years. Meanwhile, an Antifa thug was, thug was released after he was filmed breaking the windows. This is how it goes. And that's why we have to have sound minds to respond to it. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.